0: Exodus chapter 31. And we're going to be, after we read this, we're going to be looking at this text of God's holy and infallible word. And we're going to be looking at it, thinking about what are the necessities of the tabernacle of God. The tabernacle of God and building up the tabernacle of God. And as we read this text of God's holy word... Let us think about what are the necessities, what are the things needed in God's tabernacle. And what we can learn about it for today's building, the temple, the house of Almighty God. And as we read, let us also think of the instructions that were given to Moses in Mount Sinai here. He was nearly 40 days in Mount Sinai. And he was being given the ceremonial law. And it teaches us much as well of what is needed today for dwelling, for tabernacling, tabernacling with our God in heaven. Let us read now God's holy and infallible word in Exodus chapter 31. Then the Lord spake, spoke to Moses saying, See, I have called by name Bazael, the son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah, and I have filled him with the spirit of God in wisdom, in understanding, in knowledge, and in all manner of workmanship. To design art, artistic works. To work in gold, in silver, in bronze, in cutting jewels, for setting, in carving wood, and to work in all manner of workmanship. And I, indeed I, have appointed with him Aholiab, the son of Ahesamach, of the tribe of Dan. And I have put wisdom in the hearts of all the gifted artisans. That they may make all that I have commanded you. The tabernacle of meeting, the ark of the testimony, and the mercy seat that is on it. And all the furniture of the tabernacle, the table and its utensils, The pure gold lampstand with all its utensils, the altar of incense, the altar of burnt offering with all its utensils and the laver and its base, the garments of ministry, the holy garments for Aaron the priest and the garments of his sons to minister as priests and the anointing oil. And sweet incense for the holy place, according to all that I have commanded you, that shall do. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak also to the children of Israel, saying, Surely my Sabbaths you shall keep. For it is a sign between me and you throughout your generations, that you may know that I am the Lord who sanctifies you. You shall keep the Sabbath, therefore, for it is holy to you. Everyone who profanes it shall be put to death. For whoever does any work on it, that person shall be cut off from among his people. Work shall be done for six days, but the seventh is the Sabbath of rest, holy to the Lord. Whoever does any work on the Sabbath day, he shall be put to death. Therefore, the, the children of Israel shall keep the Sabbath to observe the Sabbath throughout their generations as a perpetual covenant it is a sign between me and the children of Israel forever for in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth and on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed and when he had made an end of speaking with him on Mount Sinai he gave Moses two tablets of the testimony tablets of stone written with the finger of God and may the Lord bless the reading of his Holy Word. Our title for this morning's message is Building Up the Tabernacle of God. Building Up the Tabernacle of God. If you are starting a building project, what would be needed? What would be needed? You would need the right materials. You would need the right People with the right skill and you would also need the right plan in how to carry it out. What happens when a building project lacks key and necessary components? Is it fit for purpose, you could say? If it doesn't have all the right parts, has there really been the right project or the right building produced we might ask if it's missing something if we think about a home a home we'd be concerned if the home didn't have a bathroom we'd be concerned if the home didn't have a kitchen we'd be concerned if a home didn't even have bedrooms you know so what if these things are missing what about the tabernacle of God the tabernacle of God There are also things with the tabernacle of God that must be present. That must be there. And without which it is not really the tabernacle of God. Where God dwells. Where God dwells with his people in a special way. In the New Testament John 1.14 tells us. And the word became flesh and dwelt. And that word dwelt could also even be translated tabernacled among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth, tabernacled among us. This building, you can also think of it as a picture book. A picture book. Young people, you you know, you will remember or still have picture books. Because what do pictures and books help us to do? They help us to understand what the book is talking about. I think even adults, we find it easier to follow along with a book if we see pictures of what is going on. If, If we see, even if people have study Bibles. I like study Bibles. And you see those maps and you see those pictures. They help us, don't they? They help us to get our heads around what is going on. And so it is, too, with the tabernacle. It's teaching us something. It's like a picture book to understanding how we dwell with God, how we have a special, sweet fellowship with God. I particularly have grown to love the book Pilgrim's Progress over the years, and that's mainly through my girls. I mean, they absolutely love Pilgrim's Progress, and they love pictures in pilgrim's progress and you see Christian and you see the difficulty he's going through and you see him on the way to the celestial city it's very vivid and it's great for people who have a great imagination these pictures teach us about God they teach us about the gospel they teach us about his grace about our relationship with him and also our journey to that celestial city the new Jerusalem in heaven. This picture here is telling us what is needed for God to dwell among his people. And he used people, we'll see in, this, in our text in a second, sinners like us. He used means to bless his people, to build up the church that it would have more of his presence here on this earth. It's not about numbers, dear friends. It's about the presence of almighty God, being with God, enjoying him, being nourished and blessed and built up by him. So this morning, let us see now what is needed to build up this tabernacle. We're going to look at at five things this morning that are needed. And the first thing we're going to look at is wisdom. Wisdom is needed. Wisdom is needed. Exodus 31 verse 3. And I have filled him with the Spirit of God in wisdom, in understanding, in knowledge, and in all manner of workmanship. Wisdom. In this work of the tabernacle, this physical... Temporary structure that moved along with the people of God as they traveled through the wilderness. Wisdom was needed in the work to make it. Skill was needed in the work to make it. And the wisdom that was needed for this tabernacle, it came from God. It came from God. Later, this, as we know, this temporary structure was was replaced by the temple. The temple in Jerusalem. This is the center of the presence. That special presence of Almighty God. Yes we know that God is omnipresent. He is in all places. But in a very special way. He dwelt in this tabernacle. Not only does God give wisdom. But he gives it to those who are called by him to this work. Called by him to this work. And also the word translated wisdom in Hebrew can also have the sense of the word skill. Skill. Some, someone may have, we can have lots of information in our heads, can't we? But do we have the skill to be able to use it in the right way? We may have lots of knowledge and we may even know people who have lots and lots of information. But may lack wisdom at times. And this is often why, dear friends, our older brothers and sisters in Christ will have far greater wisdom than some of us who are younger. Because they've experienced more. They've learned from experience. They have tried out their skills. They have sharpened their skills through learning from that valuable experience as a believer in Jesus Christ. And that's why we would do well, dear friends, to ask. For that wisdom. From people who have walked with the Lord far longer than we have. In spiritual matters. In the building of the kingdom of God. We must have wisdom. And one of the things that wisdom will teach us. Is our efforts. Our skill. Our things that we have acquired from this world. Are futile. It must come from God. That we cannot. We cannot. Depend on ourselves. Because natural man. Naturally depends on himself. And depends on his idols. To be wise. To have the wisdom needed here. You need to, to be filled with the spirit of God. This is something that God does. If we, anybody who is wise in the Lord. It is something that God does to them. We saw that with Solomon didn't we? He was filled with wisdom for one reason. Because God filled him with wisdom. Not just mere information in our heads, dear friends. But being guided by the spirit of God. Without this, I'm afraid, you will not have the wisdom needed. There is what is viewed as wisdom by the world's standards. And there is wisdom according to God's standards. But only those who are called to this work, the work of the kingdom, have this wisdom. Certain people in our text, certain people were called to that particular work on the tabernacle. But, dear friends, aren't we all called by the Spirit of God to the work of the kingdom? It's not just elders, it's not just deacons, it's every single last one of us, all of us, have a role to play. It may be a visible role. It may not be a visible role. It may be a very small role that very few people see. But we are called to labor. We are called to be saints, as it says in 1 Corinthians 1-2, to the church of God, which is at Corinth, to those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints. And it says in 1 Timothy three fifteen. And that from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise. Wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. There are the, and the Scriptures tells us there are two groups in the world. There's the wise and there are the foolish. There are those wise unto salvation, called by God, filled with wisdom. Obviously some more and some less wise unto salvation, and those foolish to the truth, those who refuse to bow the knee to Christ. 1 Corinthians 1.24 says, But those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. We all need this wisdom from God. We're all called to play our part in that building up of that tabernacle. God uses weak, feeble creatures such as ourselves. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that wonderful to be, God has given, if, if he's called you, if he's saved you, he's given you a skill of some kind. You may not know, exactly know what that is today, but through prayer and through guidance, may he show you the, the role to play within the church Number two now, what else is needed? So wisdom is needed, obedience, number two now is needed. Number two, obedience is needed. Verse six, and I, indeed I, have appointed with him Aholiab, the the son of Ahisamach, of the tribe of Dan, and I put wisdom in the hearts of all the gifted artisans, that they may make all that I have commanded you. This is God speaking out to Moses that I have commanded you. And then also verse 14 of this same chapter. You shall keep the Sabbath, therefore, for it is holy to you. Everyone who profanes it shall surely be put to death. For everyone who does any work on it, that person shall be cut off from among his people. Sometimes when we're studying through the Bible, we can think that obedience to God is at odds somehow with grace. That grace and obedience somehow are kind of uh, fighting against each other. And yes, we must state a few things. Yes, we are saved by grace alone. Of course we are. The work of the kingdom does not in any way depend on us. If it did, it would fall apart. And praise God for that. God does all things according to the counsel of his will. All true. But there's a sense in which our obedience matters. We can claim to have all the wisdom in the world, dear friends. All the knowledge, all the books, all the resources that are available. But if we do not obey the word of God then the work of the building suffers. Now this does not cancel out what I've just said about God being complete control. He uses mere creatures such as us to carry out his ends. But there is a damage somehow to the testimony, to the witness, because the work is hindered. Their obedience matters. Obedience matters. Is needed, even without all the incense, the utensils, the beautiful garments of the priesthood. At the very core, what has been commanded must be done. God uses means to advance His work. He cho- He chooses to use people who is filled with the skills needed. But they must, and we must also here see here this morning. The need for obedience. And I say this is because in Western Christianity, I exclude countries like China and other countries that suffer greatly for the cause of Christ. I think it's one of the reasons why their churches are growing so much. They know the cost. They have counted the cost. They know they'll suffer greatly for following Christ. But in the West, we can fall into the lowest level of Christianity possible. We can can fall into a Christianity where we think the only obedience that is needed is to not, in a very obvious way, reject Christ. We come to church on Sunday, we give money. And if we do anything else, wow, you're kind of showing off now. We can't have such an attitude dear friends. Such an attitude can be self-serving. Our attitude. Even though we fail. Has to be we have to obey all of God's commands. All of them. And yes we will fail. Every single one of us. And yes our salvation in no way depends on us. Not even the width of a hair's breadth. Does it depend on our efforts. If it did we would have no hope. But our aim must always be to be like Christ. And what was he like? Perfect obedience. That's to be the aim, the target. We always have to live with these two realities before us. There's the perfect standard to follow and to aim at. But also the reality that we're not a perfect standard. And we need to see both if we don't see that we're not a perfect standard, we're going to be devastated all the time. We're going to be miserable all the time. Our joy must come from Christ. And as you labor here in Carrickfergus, Fergus, where the Lord has put you, dear friends, and when everything in the world seems to be panic and sensationalism in the news and everything else like that, your responsibility remains as it always has been. Obey God where he has placed you. To bless the church, to love your neighbors, to, to, to try and reach them with the gospel, to greet them, to encourage them. And isn't that more important now than ever? I tell you, dear friends, one of the, one of the most lacking things we have today is people smiling at each other, people greeting each other. And we've been created in God's image and we so need that. Let us not think of the year 2021 or the last year or next year where however long we go through these things as we're just trying to get through these next few months. It doesn't matter what happens, dear friends. We've got to obey God. Our responsibilities don't change. If there's cholera, we still go out. It doesn't matter what is happening, dear friends. We have to obey in the context in which we're in. Of course, we need to use wisdom. Of course we need to do so prayerfully. But we must always obey God. What is the third thing we're going to look at now? So we've looked at wisdom is needed. Obedience is needed. Mercy is needed. Mercy is needed. Verse 7. Verse 7. The tabernacle of meeting. The ark of the testimony. And the mercy seat that is on it. And all the furniture of the tabernacle. The mercy seat. To be able to have this tabernacle of meeting, this place of meeting with God, there needs to be the possibility of meeting with God. Now, don't misunderstand me because what I'm saying is not that God is held back by anything. But we are sinners. How can God meet with us in a way that blesses us and builds us up? Because until we see the problem of our sin. We can't appreciate what God has done for us. To have this meeting here this morning. Being in the presence of Almighty God. Just as much as when the priest went into the Holy of Holies. All the way back then. We are in the presence of Almighty God here this morning. And. Dear friends, we don't need a building even to do this. We thank God for the building. Of course, it's wonderful to have a building. We don't have to deal with the rain outside, and that's wonderful. Um, But we don't, it's not necessary. Our covenanting forefathers met out in the field and met with the presence of Almighty God. What allows God, in a way consistent with who he is, holy, just, right, To meet with his people. To meet with sinners such as us. With Moses and the people of God. As they were traveling in the wilderness. He cannot deny who he is. And we need two things as he meets with us. We need the standard being met of the perfect obedience of God. That is the testimony. That perfect obedience. And we also need. Atonement. Atonement. This word here. Translated in in most translations. That I can see anyway. Mercy seat. Mercy seat. But it's literally. It is the place of atonement. The place of atonement. Before the time of Christ. There was a translation of. The Hebrew Bible into Greek. And. When that was done, when this word was translated into Greek, it's the same word we have in English, propitiation. Propitiation. This is the place of propitiation. This is the place of reconciliation. This is the place of the appeasing of the wrath of God. 1 John 4.10 tells us, For this is love, not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the? Propitiation. The exact Same word used in the Greek translation of the Old Testament. The propitiation for our sins. This is what is needed to meet with God. With our meeting here this morning, here in this place, we can meet together, tabernacle together with God, not because of any decision of the government, But because of Christ. Without this, the wrath of God is against us. Without this appeasement, without this atonement, without this propitiation, this place of propitiation, there is wrath against us. This is, we meet with Him at this place where there's atonement, there's forgiveness, there's reconciliation. Have you met God at this mercy seat? Have you received mercy, reconciliation? Has the wrath of your sin been dealt with by Christ? Is Jesus Christ the propitiation for your sins? All of you that are here this morning, have you come to the place where you've met with God at this mercy seat? That Christ has turned away the wrath of God. He, he dealt with that on your behalf. That he is your only hope. Not just a hope. The only hope. Not just the best possible hope. The only hope we have is in Jesus Christ. That God would dwell and tabernacle with us here this morning. Just as he did thousands of years ago with Moses and the people of God. That we here this morning can enjoy sweet fellowship with God if you have this mercy, if you have received the blessings that Christ has purchased by his own blood. This must be there. It must be there for that dwelling to take place. Our, our nation today... Our leaders, our doctors, our nurses, our teachers at schools, they need mercy, don't they? There is a large turning away. This part of the island, I'm from Cork originally, I don't know if you know that. But this part of the island is very visibly turning away from God. And that is incredibly sad. Same thing is happening in Scotland. Our leaders need this mercy. Our, our school teachers, our doctors, and our nurses. Uh, and that will affect all sorts of things. The decisions doctors make will be shaped by their worldview. And we don't just do it for that reason. We want them to know Christ, but it will have a knock on effect in society. All of us need this mercy that we would. Have the blessings of Almighty God. For the greatest health need dear friends. Is to meet with God. The greatest health need of our generation. Is to meet with God. to To meet with him here at this mercy seat. To trust Christ that he would dwell with us. And we with him. Today, it seems we're, at least in the media, obsessed with dying. With dying. And, and not in a good way. It is good to know that you will die. We will all meet God one day. But the talk about death in the, in the culture, and there's so many doomsday scenarios, we talk as if we can stop death. We talk as if we in some way can do, if you just do these things, all the bad stuff in life will just go away. If you don't listen to us, this could happen. I don't know if you've heard any things like that. We cannot. We can't control everything. God is the only one in control of everything. In the UK, every day, 1,600 people die. Every single day. Roughly 45 or 50 in Northern Ireland. Every single day on a normal day. All of us here will stand before God. All of us here are in need of God's mercy. We're all in need of God's propitiation. And do you have it? And dear friends, if you have it, you will dwell in the presence of God forever. And no one can ever take that away from you. What's the fourth thing we're going to look at that is needed? So wisdom is needed, obedience, mercy, and now we're going to look at praise. Praise is needed. Praise is needed. Verse 8 of our text. The, ta- the table and its utensils, the pure gold lampstand and all its utensils, the altar of incense, the altar of burnt offering with, with all its utensils, and the laver and its base. The garments of ministry, the holy garments for Aaron, the priest, and the garments of his son to minister as priests and the anointing oil and the sweet incense for the holy place, according to all that I have commanded you, they shall do. Praise is needed. So where does this wisdom lead that we we talked about earlier? It is the seeing what others refuse to see. And where does this obedience bring us? We who have been delivered from the wrath to come. Through Jesus Christ. Now let's think about what follows on from receiving the greatest gift that there ever is or will be. What do we teach children, you know, when when children are young and somebody gives them a sweet, something nice, some nice gift, what do we, we often tell our children to say? We kind of maybe nudge them a few times before they'll say it sometimes. Thank you. Now that might even sound more old-fashioned today. I don't know if children have the same manners as they used to years ago, but it's great. I find it very encouraging when you see young children saying thank you to somebody who has given them something. You would hope that that child would appreciate whatever has been given to them. And that they would tell others about that gift. Did you see what grandpa got me or so and so got me? And they're showing everybody. And, and you're like, oh, I didn't think they were that much into that little gift. Uh, my 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 mother got, or my my girls, two small little dogs one time, and they were cheap little toys, and they still have them all these years later. And my mom is like, they still like those things. It, it, it's it's wonderful to see that, isn't it? That they appreciate it. That they have something, and wow, they're so they're so thankful for something, a gift that fills them with joy and praise. For that person generous enough to give it to them. But what happens if we're not grateful? Do we thank the person often we don't? We're, we're often not thankful enough. And this is not just children. I don't want to be picking on the younger people. Um, us adults, we can be, myself included, ungrateful for the things that have been given to us. What is The greatest gift any of us here have received. The greatest gift. The gift of salvation. Of being able to meet with God. Say we'll be able to go to heaven. Yes but even more fundamental than that. We'll be able to meet with God. Heaven is the place where where we will see him in the fullness of his glory. To be able to dwell with God forever. In Psalm 23 verse 6, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord. Today, forever, forever. This is not something that can be taken away from you, dear friends. Should we not praise him? The greater the gift, surely the greater the praise, and the greater the joy, and the greater the appreciation we should have. Because it costs so much. Our God is surely worthy of all the praise, all the honor, all the glory because of what He gave us, and He gave us what we don't deserve. Actually, we deserve the complete opposite of what we're given that incense of prayer as we see in our text it talks about incense that is our prayer going before the throne of God that praise of our lips the sacrifice that is a wonderful sweet smelling aroma before the throne of grace that is what heaven is we talk about praise is needed for the To tabernacle with our God here. Well praise is what heaven will be. You know people. I think sometimes. We don't realize what heaven is. Do we look forward to heaven? If you love to praise God. You're going to love heaven. Now we will not. Grow weary with our bodies. As we do here on this earth. We will never get tired. We will never grow weary. All these things. All these weaknesses. These human weaknesses that we have. Will be taken away. But that's what we will do for all eternity. We will praise and we will sing his praises. We will glorify him and we will love to do so we will want to do nothing else. To be away from the presence of God, the place of praise, the place of worship will grieve our hearts. If we are so grateful to God, this tabernacle, this dwelling this, this praise will burst forth from our hearts if we're so great. Look at what God has done for me. And you may be here this morning and you may be struggling. To Praise is not something you work up. Same with faith. Faith is not something you work up of your own accord. This is something that comes from God. That we would know more of Him, who He is. We would worship Him for who He is. Even before we've even thought about what He has done. For us, we would love him for who he is because he is glorious and wonderful. But even more so for what he has done for us. A tabernacle without praise, a tabernacle without incense, a tabernacle without sacrifice, it's without hope. The church is to be a place of praise and thanksgiving and joy. <coughs> Joy. Our lives, and I know we fail here, and I include myself here in this, dear friends, is to be seasoned with heaven-bound praise. We're not just ticking off a list. Here's the next thing. I just gotta go to I gotta go to services, this, that. Okay, now we can think about Monday. All the fun things are ahead on Monday. No, 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 dear friends. We're coming to the greatest privilege of the week. Is the first day of the week. The greatest thing we will do all week. Is praise our God among his people. Sending that heaven bound praise. And that happens dear friends. When God meets with his people. That aroma of his praise. this Can you imagine dear friends. The scent of Christ in all that we do. How God. God dwells among God loves that God delights in that he doesn't he love his son he does and he delights in this praise remember what God the father said of God his son this is my beloved son and then the original the word beloved is emphasized my son my beloved We don't know how much God loves us. Do we? We, we? we see part of it. We see a little bit of it. But we struggle with it, don't we? God loves you. In Christ. So much he sent his son. When... We meet together. When we tabernacle together, God meets with his people, and there is great blessing, there is great joy. But, friends, when there is scattering, as we saw in the Old Testament, when there is scattering, you see in the book of Jeremiah and other places, there is suffering for God's people. We need to be united. We need to be united around the gospel. We need to be reunited around the one who never lies. We need to be united around the one who blesses with truth. Nothing else in the week is as important as this meeting with God. Nothing else. And our final thing that we're going to look at is holiness is needed. Number five, holiness is needed. Verses 10 and 11, the garments of ministry, the holy garments... For Aaron the priest and the garments of his son to minister as priests and the anointing oil and sweet incense for the holy place. According to all that I've commanded you, they shall do. And also verse 18 as well. And when he had made an end of speaking with him on Mount Sinai, he gave Moses two tablets of the testimony, tablets of stone written with the finger of God. We meet with God here this morning at a place of mercy and a place of praise and thanksgiving. We see the wisdom and obedience needed in the building up of this tabernacle where God dwells, to build up his people in whom he dwells. He comes to bless his people. He is the source of our of our life. He is the source of our blessings. He loves to dwell among his people. We, look, we looked at how the wrath of God is appeased. But we also need to stand before God as holy. So the, the wrath of God has been dealt with. But we also need to stand before seen by God as those who have kept the law perfectly. We need to be clothed in holy garments. In the ceremonial law of Israel given to Moses at Mount Sinai. He is alone with God at Mount Sinai. Given these, this ceremonial law. The priests were to wear holy garments. And then in the midst of giving this. This need for the holy garments. We see that God gave Moses the holy standard by which we'll all be judged. Summarized in the Ten Commandments written on two tablets of stone shown in verse 18. This is the law. This is, think of it another way. This is the character. This is who God is. You can summarize down that law in another way. First table of the law, love God. Second table, love your neighbor as yourself. I can even summarize it again. God is love. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. This is God's character. This is who God is. This is the standard. This is what it means to be holy. Well, the, these Levites wore these holy garments. It's, it's, it's teaching us something. Always think, when you're looking through the... When you're looking through the first five books of the Bible. These are not just things. This is just something the Jews did. This is nothing to teach me wrong. This is so much to teach us. This is like again this picture book. These these are illustrations to show us the grace. And the mercy. And the wonderfulness of God. They wore these holy garments in the presence of God. Within the holy of holies. To come into the presence of God, they needed to be wearing these holy garments, the Levites. But let us think of our own context today. Can we not come into the Holy of Holies? Yes, dear friends, we can. We ourselves can come into the Holy of Holies through Jesus Christ. We today are holy priests coming into the presence of God. This is what men of old call the priesthood of believers. 1 Peter 2, 9 says, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. A royal priesthood. This is talking about all believers. Every single believer. We, too, need to be clothed with holy garments. We too need to be clothed with this holy, righteous standard. Kept perfectly. And who has kept that standard? Who has kept that law, that testimony? That, that, that God can look upon us and say, Righteous, holy, just. The Lord Jesus Christ. He has done it all. And you know what's wonderful about that is We can add nothing to that nothing God doesn't see your sin dear friend he doesn't see your sin he sees he doesn't see your law breaking he sees holiness he sees holy garments righteous he sees someone he delights in and that holy obedience of Christ is ours by faith and by faith alone in Jesus Christ and we even see as well some of the dangers of breaking the law in verse 14 you shall keep the Sabbath therefore it is holy unto you everyone who profanes it shall be surely put to death the wages of sin is death but the keeper of the law the one who kept the law in our place has brought us life has brought us life This fallen world, dear friends, as we've looked at all these things, as we've looked at this ceremonial law given to Moses on Mount Sinai thousands of years ago now, don't we see what is important, what is needed? The greatest need we'll ever have is meeting with God. And we need these things. See, this fallen world, the flesh and the devil, all day, all week long, it's trying to distract you. It's trying to pull you away from that joy, that peace. If you look at the media for long enough, you'll, you'll, you'll know what I'm talking about. It's not just, over the last, was it nearly two years now at this point, have exploited this crisis. It's not just politicians, it's also the devil. Don't let the devil take away. or or your flesh or anything else take away the importance of meeting with God being with God we need to be reminded dear friends today in 2021 who is really in control who really blesses and who we need to meet with we struggle to get GP's appointments but we don't have to struggle to meet with our God he has done it all God blesses this tabernacle in a special way. And let us remember who brings wisdom. Let us remember who we need to obey. Let us remember the source of mercy. Let us remember that we we come to him with praise. And let us remember we come not naked in our own sin. We come clothed with the righteousness of Christ. Without which no one will see the Lord. May the Lord meet with our hearts here this morning. Amen.